Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers and seasons eatings to you, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The culinary landscape is ever evolving, so you'll want to tune in every weekend because on this show, you'll hear from celebrity chefs and pastry aficionados, restaurateurs and molecular gastronomers, food bloggers and enthusiasts, cookbook authors, and more. Every week I dish on fabulous food and fine wine and spirits, on good health and living the best life. So I hope that you won't miss a weekend of delicious conversation with me. I do have lots of extra inspiration where I serve up seconds at chefjamie.com and you'll find my daily dish on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So please become a friend. And if you've missed a show or you want to master a topic, you can always find my podcasts on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. So coming up, we have a full plate. In fact, you'll want to stay tuned throughout the hour. But first... It's my goal at the start of this show to share a technique or a tip or my best chef's tips to make you the best cook you know. And we are just days away from Thanksgiving. So let's talk turkey, shall we? The Thanksgiving turkey, a labor of love. Whether you're having just a few gathered around your table or you're outside with a bigger group of friends and family... The roasting and the basting and the seasoning for the turkey day bird is really what sets the holiday apart from the rest, right? It has to look and taste terrific. However, achieving that is a challenge, even for great cooks. So I have some of my best tips to share with you in two parts, in fact. I want to talk crispy skin and quick cooking Your turkey shouldn't be challenging. And interestingly enough, whether you are celebrating with six or 60 people, the trend this year is a smaller turkey, in fact. And so you should be able to find a smaller bird than ever as they are being bred that way. And they should be truly tasty and delicious. I've always preferred a smaller turkey. And so this is my year. Now, When it comes to that crispy skin, first and foremost, whether you brine wet or dry, you want to plan in advance. And, you know, every Thanksgiving over the past many years, I have had the privilege of answering last minute turkey talk questions the morning of Thanksgiving. And I've gotten crazy questions like, um, my turkey is alive in the backyard. Now what do I do? Or, um, there's always the common challenge of my turkey still frozen. Can you help? Uh, I can add a tip here and tell you that a frozen turkey takes 24 hours for every five pounds of turkey to thaw in the refrigerator. So please plan accordingly. But the most common question I get asked is, how do I achieve crispy skin? And so I will tell you, as I mentioned, whether you brine wet or dry, you'll need to plan in advance because the night before Thanksgiving, you want the turkey rinsed, 
of course, thawed or fresh, and then rinsed and patted dry. Because you're going to place your turkey on a rack on a baking sheet and you're going to leave it uncovered in the refrigerator the night before Thanksgiving. The cold air from the refrigerator will dry out the skin. And no matter which way you cook it, you will get crispy goodness that is so delectable you will be a culinary hero. This idea of drying the skin out works for the perfect Sunday roast chicken as well. You do get crispy goodness and moist meat. And it's just a simple trick to be mindful of that really makes a difference. Now, when it comes to a quick cook on a turkey, you might be cocking your head to the side and thinking, what is she talking about? Well, let me tell you. It's actually all about the spatchcock. Yes. Over the last few years, I have been making a spatchcock turkey where the backbone is removed. I actually like to call it flat out because nobody likes that spatchcock word. And I will tell you what I love about a flat out turkey. It cooks quicker. It gets super golden. You get crispy skin guaranteed and it tastes delicious because it's never dry. Now, it cooks more quickly because it's a butterflied version of a turkey, right? And you really do get perfectly cooked white and dark meat with this method. So the term spatchcock is the method of removing the turkey's backbone so that you can flatten out the body. And I will say that your butcher should happily do this for you or the butcher counter at your favorite uh, supermarket, of course. And the flatter shape ensures that the meat cooks evenly and more quickly. And the legs reach that safe temperature without ever overcooking the breast meat. Now, the result of a flat out turkey is hands down to me the easiest, most reliable journey to a juicy, moist turkey with incredibly crispy skin. Now, the skin of a flat out bird is all on top, right? So it will crisp up beautifully on its own, but I do suggest you use my overnight drying method in the refrigerator. And then, of course, there is the recipe. So I call it a flat-out herb and butter-basted turkey. What do you do, you ask? Well, you combine garlic and shallot and chives and sage and parsley and thyme and lemon zest in a food processor until it's smooth. And you add good copious amounts of salt and pepper to season well. And you take your flat out turkey and you lay it breast side up on a rack on a sheet pan. And you loosen the skin between the breast meat and you rub that herbaceous, delicious butter under the skin. And then you roast the turkey. High heat, by the way, 450 degrees for an hour and 15 minutes for a 12-pound bird, or until a meat thermometer reads the leg meat at 160 degrees for safety. And then you take the turkey out and let it rest for 15 minutes. And in an hour and a half, you have what might be the ultimate turkey. Now, I'd love to share the recipe with you. It's the bonus this week. It's my Thanksgiving gift to you, happily, actually. And so you'll need to email me, please. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. I will gladly send you my flat out herb and butter basted turkey to make you a culinary hero and to make your Thanksgiving less stress because 
Really, we've had enough stress this year, don't you think? Now, if you go to chefjamie.com and search make ahead gravy, you will get a make ahead turkey gravy that will wow you. Because I think that making turkey last minute is just loony, really. I make a base gravy, as I call it, and then I add those pan drippings from the turkey, no matter which way you roast it, right before I bring the turkey gravy up to a simmer and serve it. And I have to tell you, it's really out of this world. So print out my make-ahead turkey gravy recipe from chefjamie.com, and while you're there, You can always search for my Thanksgiving planner. That will give you everything you need from a week before up until day of, including shopping for non-perishables now and getting everything ready to make the day a delight. Because isn't that what we're all looking forward to? A celebration. That's the turkey talk for this week. But there is more because coming up, I'm really excited to welcome Bobby Flay to your radio coming up next Bobby is stopping by to dish on his favorite meal, and that is brunch. David Leet, my dear friend and an uber talent, is here of Leet's Culinaria, of course, and he is going to talk about brining. Also, don't touch your dial because Chef Katie Chin has some really insightful ethnic inspiration for your Thanksgiving menu and feasting table. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio as we celebrate the season with fabulous food, fine wine, and more because a little celebration is in order. Grab a snack and come on back. Don't go away. There's lots more deliciousness coming up next. of food directly to your radio. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen. Okay, we're celebrating brunch today with a really big name. Are you ready? (laughs) If you're a fan of Bobby Flay's like I am, and of course uh, you watch him uh, religiously like we do in our house, then you know him for his skills at the grill. But you should also know that his favorite meal of the week is brunch. And so we have that in common, Bobby. I like breakfast, brunch, breakfast for dinner. And at long last, Bobby is sharing his simplest, most sought after brunch recipes in his new cookbook release entitled Brunch at Bobby's. It is everything you could ever want out of brunch. 
and I am delighted that Bobby has stopped by to dish. Hey there, Bobby. How are you? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes, of course. Thank you for being here. Okay, let's talk brunch because I've heard you say before you like a really big brunch, like a lot of food. Yes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that brunch needs to be somewhat abundant. Yes. Um, people, I, I just don't think that people go into brunch thinking, I'm not going to eat a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, brunch is that brunch is that meal that we sort of we save up for at the end of the week, right? It's sure. um, you know, we've been working all week and brunch really has very few rules, just a few guidelines. I mean, it starts when you feel like getting up um and it ends when you feel like ending it. It could be quick or it could last the entire afternoon. Hmm. And uh, it almost always starts with a cocktail. So, it's um to me it's certainly my my favorite meal of the week. <laughs> yes, and and I have to agree. There's something uh, less guilt associated with brunch for me. Like I think that I can eat to my heart's content because it's early in the day and, you know, you'll work it off later or that there is something wonderfully generous about a, a family style served brunch. And you, that's another concept I know you love. You like to put out all the food and then let everyone graze at their own pace, fill their plate, sit down, you know, relish in it. Yeah, I think that I think that family style eating at at, at home yes. um, when you're entertaining or whether you're just feeding your family or or it's a special event is the way to go because it mm-hmm. also gets you the cook out of the kitchen um, and and also it doesn't put any pressure on anybody so people can take more of what they really want and less of what you know maybe they're not interested in or don't eat yeah, exactly and um, and, I, and I think that that's I think you know. I do that for brunch, but I think I think sort of across the board, it's a really good rule, too. Yes, I agree. And I think it brings us all back to the dinner table, quote-unquote, only because it gathers us together. You mentioned a cocktail, a wonderful way to celebrate a brunch. And I love... By the way, the book is fabulous. I mean, you, you really, I know, put your all into a cookbook uh, because you can feel it turning the pages. They're the best of the best recipes. And we've seen you cook for so many years uh, <laughs> that... We know you have a, an extraordinary repertoire of recipes to choose from when you pack a cookbook full. I love the, the cocktail idea as a starter. Everyone loves a Bloody Mary bar, but I loved the Bellini bar, especially with the holidays upcoming. That's a really celebratory start. Yeah, it is, definitely. I mean, you know, Bellini's basically, um, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, uh, there's sparkling wine. You know, right. it could be Prosecco from Italy or Cava from Spain or Champagne from... France, of course, mm-hmm. um, or just sparkling wine from uh, from from, the, from from America, but yes. but then you, then you add different kinds of you know f- uh, fruit purees. You know the classic one is sort of um, the Bellini, um, the white peach Bellini that was invented in Venice mm-hmm. in, in in Italy, which is you know white peach and and prosecco. But you can so use, use things like passion fruit or. Um, you know, we do uh, like a blackberry or a blueberry uh, puree or even peach, and then maybe a tiny bit of um, other liquor uh, or like a liqueur to kind of pump up the flavor. So it could be one that's flavored by with blackberries or with, with, uh, with cherries or peaches. And then, of course, you have to garnish it with some fruit. So it makes it totally fun. Yeah, I love the idea. It's almost like it becomes a Bellini bar with a salsa bar attached because you put a... <laughs> no, it's like true. That. It's a Bobby Flay salsa bar for your Bellini because you've got lots of different fruit garnish choices and you can shop from the farmer's market and offer seasonally, whether it's the, the pomegranate seeds, the arils like you mentioned, and fresh blackberries. And it does. It becomes like a snack and a drink. Yes. 
Yeah, exactly right. Fruit snack and a drink. All in one. All in one. Um, okay. Uh, I cannot wait to make bourbon molasses butter. You're right. I t- oh, my God. I, tend to, I, I plan to put that on everything, Bobby. You know, a lot of people have been talking to me about the bourbon <laughs> molasses butter. But, you know, it goes really well on things like pancakes and waffles and French toast and things like that. But also, just like even on like cornbread or a biscuit, you know, uh, or a muffin or something like that, it makes everything taste great. Oh, yeah. And what about using it as a um, benefit, uh, sort of a complement to a savory something? Could you spice it up and then use it on corn or I mean oh, you, sure. you tend to add seasoning spices and you get that sweet savory mix yes absolutely even like um, even like on a steak or some pork it would work really nicely Ooh, okay um, I heard from a friend by the way um, I've been a longtime fan and our paths have crossed before but you've never been on my radio program so I'm very delighted to have you I have um, friends uh, in common, essentially, and someone told me that your favorite brunch recipe, and I'm not sure how they know this, is Bananas Foster French Toast, like Reign Supreme. Um, it's certainly one of them, for sure. Okay. I mean, but just think about, just think about that for a second. I mean, it's yeah, how French could it be Toast, bad? <laughs> and we go to New Orleans, right, for yes. Bananas Foster. That's and right. It's, you know, it's got, it's, it's just, you know, it's rum and it's bananas and it's brown sugar. And mm. I mean, it's, it's pretty decadent and yeah. it's certainly dessert for brunch. Yeah, for sure. And on the leaner side, the olive oil poached eggs with the crisp pancetta. That's, that's, that's another dish that a lot of people have told me they've made out of the book. Beautiful. Um, I love it. I mean, you get that really beautiful flavor of, of, of olive oil. Um, and you poach the eggs in it. It's very, very simple, and the mm. eggs come out beautifully when you poach them in the olive oil. And then you just put them on some toast with a little tomato relish, and it has like some mustard running through it. It's so good. So good. I'd love to talk restaurants if you don't mind, um, because I have long, a long time uh, been a, a fan of Bar American. I mean, I love Mesa, mind you, but I don't think I can get enough of hot potato chips with blue cheese sauce. Oh yeah. I, I don't know. There's something truly addictive and um, would love to know what's new on the restaurant horizon for you or are, are there new restaurants in the works or are we staying status quo? Uh, you know, I just opened a restaurant called Gato yes. about a, a little over a year ago and it's going really, really nicely. Congratulations. Um, so for now, like that's what we're doing. Um, mm. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm cooking there five nights a week at least. And um so right now I can't really open another restaurant because I'm, I'm so concentrated no. on that. But, you know, you know I, listen, I'm addicted to opening restaurants. I've been doing it my whole adult life, so I'm sure something will pop up soon. Yes, something will. Have, again, the book is really beautiful, and, uh, and I'll look forward to cooking from it. And I hope that you'll come back and share your next uh, new food addiction with us. I, I hope to. Thanks I so would much like for that. Me. Thank you very much, Bobby. Appreciate it. You heard it here first, the new cookbook release from Bobby Flay. It's called Brunch at Bobby's with 140 recipes, starting with lip-smacking cocktails. He works his way through eggs and pancakes and waffles and French toast and pastries and breads and so much more. It is how Bobby Flay does brunch. There's a recipe excerpted at chefjamie.com with a direct link so that you can bring the cookbook into your kitchen. And please stay tuned because there is more delicious conversation right after this. Don't go away.
season's eatings to you, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. She's back and I'm delighted because Thanksgiving is just days away. And if you're still planning your menu or you'd like to add some sweet, spicy, ethnic influence, well, then Katie Chin is your girl. I am so proud to call this extraordinary talent my friend. And you know that we dug deep into global cuisine with her uh, some weeks ago, in fact. It's her new cookbook release that is all a buzz, entitled Katie Chin's Global Family Cookbook, internationally inspired recipes that should grace your Thanksgiving table because it's time to mix things up and be big and bold and fabulous when it comes to true delicious flavor. Now, you know the backstory, right? Her famous mother, Leanne Chin, the legendary chef and restaurateur who taught so many of us the beauties of Chinese cooking, had this glorious daughter, a talented professional chef, TV personality, Chinese gastronomy expert, working mom of three kids, whom I am very, as I said, proud to call my friend. She is Katie Chin, and she is adding international flair to your Thanksgiving table with recipes from the new book, Katie Chin's Global Family Cookbook. And I am so glad you are back, girlfriend. Hi, just days from Thanksgiving. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. Thank you, Chef Jamie. Thank you so much for yes, having me. Of and course. I feel honored to call you mm. my friend. Well, thank you. We've been friends a long time, I'll tell you. And this time of year always makes me not melancholy, but sort of conjure up um, the, the memories of the past and sort of savor those experiences because you and I tend to come back together at the holidays. We always have. That's true. Uh-huh. That's so true. And I think especially during these crazy times, we yes. really do have to cherish and savor those memories and look forward to creating new ones. Yes, for sure. And I do think that entertaining and celebrating the season this year because we were apart from one another for uh, maybe at least a year, for some too. I think this holiday season, and of course with the start of Thanksgiving, I think it's going to be bigger and bolder, and it's time to pull out all the stops and to really celebrate. And I think that means and incorporates an opportunity for new flavors. I couldn't agree with you more. I think we're all looking forward to finally, Mm. you know, hugging our nieces and nephews and cousins and celebrating maybe some are celebrating outside who cares but but you're right I mean what a great opportunity to just shake things up a little bit okay let's do it because I want you to know my menu is written and planned and I am making your miso butter sauce because I tested I tested the recipe not that it needed testing per se but I wanted to taste it and I had made a turkey breast in my air fryer oven and just so you know, I finished the, the pot, Katie. I literally was slicing from the turkey breast and scraping the inside of the pot of this miso oh. butter sauce. It's delectable. But what a, what a wonderful way to add some Japanese influence of, of tangy. We know miso, the trend continues, but a, a tangy sort of different flavor in place of or in addition to gravy. Well, it's such a versatile sauce, and you are so clever to pair that with turkey. I mean, it has butter, obviously, but garlic and shallot, mm. green onions, white miso paste, filled with delicious umami flavors, soy sauce, sake, chicken stock, 
some oyster sauce. Yes. So it is it is quite silky, right? Yeah. Oh. It has such depth with the umami flavors. And what a great way to just, you know what, serve your traditional gravy, but also why not fill up a little gravy boat with this miso butter sauce. So I love that you did that. That's my plan. If I don't, I have to make a double batch if I don't eat the first batch on my own. I think oyster sauce is an umami bomb. Do you use it often? Is it your secret weapon? Because I have to tell you, I think it should go in everything. I mean, it is, um, you know, quite salty. So a little yes. bit goes a long a way. A teeny bit, It is yes. an umami bomb. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and really, a critical ingredient to have in your Asian pantry because it just adds so much depth and flavor to every dish. And you may not be aware of this, but uh, gluten-free vegan oyster sauce actually exists. It sounds like an oxymoron, but it's made from mushrooms. And you can get that at Asian markets how smart. and online resources. Huh, how smart. I've always looked to fish sauce as my... Uh, as my secret weapon, like when I've made Asian food and, you know, I have a thing for dumplings, your dumplings, but um, (laughs) truth be told, fish sauce was always like the substitute for MSG as the years have Mm. gone on. And I think oyster sauce should have a, a place because it has that same, you can't put your finger on it, but it makes everything craveable. It really does. Yeah, it it really does. You know, you know, fish sauce, used throughout Southeast Asian cooking, oyster sauce, really the primary salty note in Mm. Chinese cooking along with soy sauce. Yes. Okay. So two uh, pantry essentials. Uh, If we want to mix up the green bean casserole, your green bean tempura, what a great idea to add crunch and flavor and uh, literally to sort of shake it up. Well, you know, people think tempura is complicated or hard. But it's actually very simple. It's just a few simple ingredients, some flour, cornstarch. I like to use cold beer or club soda and an egg. And it's just a quick flash fry. And you may have noticed some, you know, hamburger joints are actually selling green bean, green bean tempura because kids love tempura. Yes. And they just gobble up the green beans. Because you know what? They're tender, crisp when they're cooked in this way. And um, kids just love it. And yeah. not only that. Um, I love to use uh, National Pediatric Cancer Foundation's beer, Rising Hope, for this recipe because I'm their culinary ambassador. Yes, you are. And I'm very proud of you, by the way. And kudos to you for all of your extraordinary hard work. We support philanthropy on this show. You know that uh, there is a huge place in my heart for giving back. And so um, I I will support National Pediatric Cancer Foundation and their beer because of you. So tempura uh, to grace the Thanksgiving table. Do you think I could dip the green bean tempura in the miso? I'm just going to dip everything in the miso butter sauce. Let's be honest, okay? I just am. Um, Harissa maple glazed carrots. Love the idea of sweet heat. And I happen to keep a tube of Harissa all the time because I think it has a really unique heat to it. Uh, and one that chili heads love. I mean, I just love harissa so much. It's sweet, smoky, tangy, spicy. Yeah, it's the smoky. Um, I added sure. so many different dishes, but what it does to this uh, particular recipe is caramelizes with some honey. Mm. It is so delicious. And my friend that tested this recipe for me, she said, "Oh my goodness, it was like eating candy." Yes. So another great way to get kids to eat their veggies, but it's also loved by kids of all ages. Yeah, but really nice on the Thanksgiving table to mix it up. And it's a simple roast. By the way, the the green bean tempura and the harissa maple glazed carrots can be made in advance. I have been known to keep crispy fried goodness 
in the oven on a sheet pan, very, very low to keep warm. And I find that the crunch remains intact. Do you have a, a better tip? I think that's a great idea. But you mentioned using an air fryer. I have been um, making tempura in my air fryer with fantastic results. So oh, fabulous. you also don't have to feel as guilty, right, sure. when you're making your tempura in an air fryer. But you're right. right. You can definitely do it in advance. The maple glazed carrots just whip up the sauce. It also includes maple syrup, mm. cumin. Yeah, I love so using good. rainbow carrots because it just makes for such a beautiful presentation. Yeah, um, the color is on beautiful. Your table. Yeah, for sure. And some beautiful lemons on top. I love that you mentioned the air fryer because, you know, I, I preach that all day long. But if your oven is full, then your side dishes could, could and should come from alternate appliances. We know that. We know that it takes the stress out of the holiday. So it's a very good reminder. Um, okay, I have mashed potatoes I make. You have mashed potatoes you, you make. I think we've both made, made them forever, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay, so does everyone in your family love wasabi mashed potatoes? <laughs> well, um, my son, he definitely loves spicy. Yes. My daughter, not as much. So on my Thanksgiving table, I like to have traditional mashed potatoes along with a batch of wasabi mashed potatoes super easy. You can just make the mashed potatoes, you know, uh, divide it into two and then add the wasabi powder with milk and add it to the other batch of mashed potatoes to give it a Japanese kick in the pan. She is the author of three previous cookbooks, but you really need to get your hands on Katie Chin's Global Family Cookbook, available on Amazon and highly rated right now. Add some global flavor to your Thanksgiving. Why not mix it up? Um, And what wonderful ideas and suggestions. Katie, thank you, thank you, thank you. I wish you and the kids and your sweet husband a delicious feast. I know you're going to be with family and I'm elated for you. And we will talk soon for sure. Oh my goodness. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much, Chef Jamie. Always a pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you. Thank you. She is Katie Chin. And it's good to have friends in high places that are extraordinary culinary thinkers. Don't touch your dial. There's more to make your feast fabulous right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. world of food directly to your radio. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen here. Do you want to be a Thanksgiving god or goddess? Well, this man has the best tips, tricks, and recipes to make you a culinary hero on the most delicious day of the year. We are planning for a Thanksgiving feast, so stack the flavor cards in your favor and listen up. David Leet has a culinary lesson you don't want to miss. David is a three-time James Beard Award-winning food writer and the founder of LeetsCulinaria.com, where he shares hot food and dry wit. He's also the author of The New Portuguese Table and the very moving, honest, funny, and real memoir entitled Notes on a Banana. 
He is an expert on many things. His blog has been much adored for its deliciousness since 1999, and I am very proud to have him as a culinary contributor to this show. He's back with Thanksgiving inspiration from the simple to the sophisticated. David Leet is here to dish. Hi, so glad to have you back. How are you, David? (laughs) I'm doing well. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Jamie. Well, thank you. Okay, share your secrets. What's on your Thanksgiving menu? Is there a theme? Because I started planning. Well, there is somewhat of a theme. Um, I always do my Portuguese turkey with two stuffings. And uh, that comes from my family. And the story behind that is that the turkey is presented or prepared very simply. It's just... You have a, an orange that you chop up, a lemon you chop up, some bay leaves, and you throw it inside. You sprinkle it with, um, on top you put some butter, you rub some butter, and then you sprinkle it with paprika and salt and pepper, and that's it. The secret and all the fun stuff happens in the two different dressings that go on the side. We don't put it inside, it's on the side. And when I was growing up, my godmother, who is a French-Canadian, always served this thing called French stuffing, which... Is it a, a misnomer because it doesn't go inside the turkey? But it had potatoes and it had pork and it had beef, and it was kind of a mashed potatoy, kind of chunky thing that was served on the side. And I always adored it. Mm. And my grandmother always made this bread stuffing that had chorizo, which is our Portuguese sausage, which has wine in it and paprika and tons of garlic, and it was very red, like brick red, because it had a lot of wine in it and paprika and garlic and mm. all these things. So you had this very bready one that's red yeah. and sort of white one that had meat in it. Well, I was in Portugal, and of course they don't celebrate Thanksgiving in Portugal, and I came across both dressings. They were in a turkey recipe, and I thought, isn't this amazing? So in my cookbook, I put both of them together, and so that is going to be the main say. That's going to be the centerpiece. Of that course. We're going to have. Of course. Now, wait, I'm going to stop you for a moment there before we move on to sides and sweets and all that good stuff. Because we had a, what I thought was very captivating and well received conversation about to brine or not to brine. Your Washington Post article that got a lot of attention. And we talked chickens and pork roast and those things that are often considered bettered by a brine. You do not brine your turkey at all. Do you do you dry brine? Do you salt rub? Do you uh, air dry? Do you well, prep? I air dry in the refrigerator just so I can get you know that wonderful pellicle that where it, it sort of dries and therefore you get this you get a much browner, wonderful, crispy skin. Yes, I will do that for twenty four hours. And the reason why I don't salt brine, it's it's silly. It's just tradition. No one hmm. salt, no one brined their turkeys when I was growing up. Sure. And so I just the idea of doing that's kind of weird, and also it's very hard to find a container that that's lar- that is that large. I now, agree. We do have a cooler that we can use that we can keep outside, but there have been one or two people we know of in this area who have their cooler outside or their turkey brining, and when they wake up on Thanksgiving morning, some animal has taken it away. <laughs> So there are there are downsides, no doubt. I agree with you. I do air dry like you talk about for that crispy skin. And and we should just review. It means you take the turkey out of whatever package it came in, whether it came from the high end butcher and it's in a bag or you bought a turkey, you know, from a 
uh, you know, from the meat section of your supermarket and you rinse it and clean it and put it on a rack on a sheet pan and you leave it open in the fridge. And it does, it does give you crispier skin. And I think it also seals in the juices when you roast. It's like the, the simplest thing you can do to better your turkey. Because I think what happens is the skin, because it's, it's when, especially in those plastic packages, it's sitting in its own juice. In so moisture, it's, right. It's very moisture. And when it's in the refrigerator and the refrigerator is dry, it starts to dry out. And I think what happens is the pores of the skin start to close up a bit more, too. Yes. So therefore, that holds in a bit more of the juice. We love your daily dish, but all of the deliciousness for Thanksgiving is posted at Leet's Culinaria, L-E-I-T-E-S, culinaria.com. Um, I always love when you come and share your passion, David. So thank you for sharing Thanksgiving with us. May your family and friends uh, just be filled with fabulous food and joy and all wonderful things this feasting holiday. Thank you, Jamie. Yes. You yours. Well, thank you so much. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of truly delicious conversation. I hope that it fed your soul and that you'll tune in every weekend as I plan to share with you lots more fabulous food. But don't go yet. It's my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for this week. As promised, it's a three-ingredient caramel pear galette. It's really just a rustic pie. And I have to tell you, with three ingredients, it's a rock star dessert, really. You need a prepared pie crust. Uh, You can even use the store-bought if you like. A few ripe pears and some really good quality caramel sauce. You roll out the pie dough to a round, rough round circle, and you transfer it to a baking sheet. And then you toss the pears with some caramel sauce and a big pinch of salt, and you arrange the pears in the center, and then... You just fold the crust up over the edges, overlapping, leaving the pears at the center exposed. And you bake it for about 50 minutes at 375. You serve it with more delicious caramel sauce. And I have to tell you, it is truly super fabulous. I am posting my three-ingredient caramel pear rustic pie, I'm going to call it, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, where I hope that you will become a friend and a fan. And I will meet you here next weekend when there's lots more to dish on in your radio. If you're looking for my best turkey tips, visit chefjamie.com. And please continue to eat well. Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. Thank you for listening. <laughs>